today on Locked On Canucks. Which current Canucks will be moved out of town via trade? And look back at the 2018 NHL draft that brought another franchise cornerstone to Vancouver. And which other teams in North American sports relate most to the Vancouver Canucks? It is Locked On Canucks on a Friday, and it starts now. Your Locked On Canucks, your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today, June the 17th edition of Locked On Canucks. I'm your host, Justin Pooney. I want to thank you for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. We, of course, are free and available wherever you get your podcast services. You can find me at Twitter at underscore process sports. Our show is also on Twitter at Locked On Canucks. And please also like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. So as I mentioned in the open, a full show today. With some interesting topics, of course, we are going to look at current Canucks who potentially could be traded and kind of rank on, is it are you going to be positive they're going to be traded? Is it not likely at all? That type of situation. A look back at the 2018 draft as we look back at former Canucks first round picks. And the most fun one of the day is going to be which other North American sports franchises best resemble the Vancouver Canucks. So uh, that is going to be exciting. So stick around for that. But first, I want to talk, I just dive into some uh, news of the day. Uh, of course, Andre Kuzmenko uh, has had his meeting with the Canucks. No word on anything yet, but we should be hearing something hopefully in the next week or so. Uh, the Canuck, you know, he pulled on a story. He was at a fine Vancouver establishment. Wasn't at Joey's like he was in Edmonton. So that might be uh, plus for Vancouver. So that is that. Mike Yo, where reports are indicating that Mike Yo as uh, the uh, one of the assistant coaches to round out Bruce Brujo's coaching staff is heating up and he is a front runner. So uh, again, some small tidbits of news from Canuck Land. Nothing really crazy. Um, but what could be crazy is potentially these trades that we could see. Uh, so first and foremost, the guys that would not be, the guys who get dealt that would not be shocking or or it would not be out of the realm of possibility. Of course, the biggest one, the big kahuna, would be J.T. Miller. We all know he's about to get to the age of 30, coming off a 99-point season. And quite frankly, I think everybody in the city of Vancouver and in Canucks Nation has kind of determined or come to the realization that, hey, uh, he's going to get dealt. Um, for whatever reason, uh, people's optimism of a contract extension uh Went away with the wind. It's gone with the abyss. Many people think that JT Miller will be gone from this organization in some capacity before this season starts. Now, as I said before, I technically would be shocked because I don't know if the Canucks are going to get a deal that they want to get at this particular juncture. Now, they could. They very might well uh, may. Excuse me. But I still have a glimmer of hope that a Miller contract extension will come through. Maybe it's just my... Uh, delusional, delusional Canuck fandom in me saying that um, he might resign. Oh, he might take a bit of a haircut discount to stay in Vancouver. That all these reports are in all these reports in the media are just uh, you know negotiating ploys and stuff like that. But I do believe it's going to be very. Um, I think as most of the fan base and most uh, rational Canucks fans, unlike myself, do believe that JT Miller um, will be 
dealt this season. The next guy, I think everybody we can see get dealt, and I think everybody wants to see get dealt is Tanner Pearson. Um, I know I want to see Tanner Pearson get dealt. Um, I've never been a big Tanner Pearson fan. Um, he's been okay, but reports are indicating that the Canucks want him out. They want his cap hit gone. They want him, you know, just he's older now. He's not the fastest guy. You know, he's a decent middle six guy, but he's not what the Canucks need. And quite frankly, for what they're paying him, he is not worth it whatsoever. The next guy who I believe should get traded, but might be a tough sell, is Jason Dickinson. Of course, he just signed a new deal last year with Vancouver at a pretty hefty price. Um, He's still got a couple years left on his deal. Um, And I don't think anybody's going to take that contract um, unless the Canucks attach a sweetener to it and another asset with some value. Because quite frankly, Jason Dickinson has zero. And when I say zero, I mean zero value. He was an absolute uh, flat out, just horrible, horrible experiment this year with the Canucks. Now he could come back and, you know, could have a nice season, but um, the next two years um, with that salary for what the production is, um, I, I don't think anybody's going to take him. I don't think, unless there's a fool out there and they're like, what, the, what is it saying? A sucker's born every minute. So potentially that could be, you know, a possibility. Now, uh, we're going to look at guys who I highly doubt will get traded. Um, first guy is Brock Besser. Um, as I did mention before, I thought at the beginning of this offseason that Besser uh, would be moved on, moved in a sign and trade. But as things have kind of progressed, uh, reports are coming, of course, that the Canucks will not let him walk. They will qualify him with the $7.5 million offer. Um, and quite frankly, I think that's how it's going to be for the next couple of years. I think Besser's just going to sign his qualifying offers um, and just stick with the team and make, like I said, I said yesterday, he's going to make 15 million bucks over the next two years on those qualifying offers. That's a lot more than he'll get on the open market. And quite frankly, um, I don't think anybody's going to offer him unless he got term, but the Canucks aren't willing to offer him term at this particular juncture. He could be traded, you know, maybe next year um, or during the season. Um, if things go sideways and it's just time to cut bait with him, you know, you know for sure this new regime regime is like, you know, we're not going to sign Brock Besser. Um, so that um, was the that. Another guy would be the some of the younger guys, Niels Hoaglander. Again, unless you're packaging Hoaglander for a and a Miller and a pick or whatever for like a David Pasternak, um, I don't see him being moved. He, again, he's a very young player. Um, he's only 21, but he, you know, kind of fell out of favor with Bruce Boudreau. Uh, Things weren't, you know, all peaches and roses with him this year. He struggled, but I think he's going to have a bounce back year um, and, you know, really flourish. Now, if the Canucks want to go big game hunting and get a big game, a big name player, you might have to attach Hoaglander to it, which I think if that's the case, most people will be okay with that move. Um, Tucker Pullman. I don't think Tucker Pullman will get dealt. Um, simply because he's injured right now. Um, his contract is not the best three years, I think at 2.5. Um, and I, he's a right shot defenseman, which the Canucks need, but he's not the skilled guy they need. So I kind of put him in that same group of a Tyler Myers or a Tanner Pearson guys or Oliver Ekman Larson guys that, we would like to see get dealt, but I think he falls in more so with the Myers and OEL where I don't think anybody wants to take that deal where I think 
there could be value with Tanner Pearson with, you know, a veteran team that's trying to go for a playoff run. They might want to go after Tanner Pearson, but I don't think that's the case with Tucker Pullman. Um, and then we go to the guys that are absolutely no chance of hell they're going to get traded. Um, you got the Pod Colsons, uh, the Shens. Um, I don't think Luke Shen will get dealt mostly because I think they want to keep him. Um, and maybe potentially the next deadline. Now, let me tell you, Luke Shen and Quinn Hughes played very well this year. They were a very solid pairing. You know, he's that kind of that stabilizing force. Um, and he's, you know, I think he's going to stick around. I think the Canucks want to keep him. They like him. Um, and maybe in the trade of the next year, if things are not going well and you want to sell and get some assets for him, I think that's the case. But I don't think this offseason will bring any value to trading Luke Shen. Um, then, of course, you have your um, complete untouchables. Your, um, as I mentioned, the Pod Colsons, the Horvats, the Pedersons, the Hughes, the Demko. Those guys are untouchable. Those guys are not going anywhere. Um, and those guys for sure will be around. So coming up after the break, we're going to dive into the 2018 draft where one of those untouchables was brought to Vancouver. But first, I want to talk to you guys about betonline.net. It is your number one source for all your betting needs sports in, and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting, wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline remains the best for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline is your betonline.net, excuse me, is the fastest and easiest way to check all your favorite sports teams and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Also, we have an important favor to ask you. We have put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On podcast. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long. And everyone that completes the survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. Take our audience survey to go or to go go to excuse me lockedonpodcast.com slash survey. Thank you for your help. Okay, we are back. So I talked about you know who the Canucks put, potentially trade, who are the untouchables. And one of those untouchables was the guy they drafted in 2018. The 2018 draft, of course, was uh, following another subpar season for the Vancouver Canucks, where uh they finished near the bottom of the NHL. Uh, in the Pacific Division that year, they finished with 73 points, 31 wins, 40 losses, 11 OTL losses for 73 points, three points above the last place Arizona Coyotes, and five points below the Edmonton Oilers. That year, of course, saw the emergence of a Brock Besser who scored 29 that year for 55 points. For 55 points and he kind of you know showed that rocket wrist shot and everybody fell in love with that thomas vanek was a member of that year same with bo horvat who scored his first goals excuse me sven bear louis and mel zotto derek pouliot Dobin, uc jokinen uc jokinen played 14 games with the vancouver canucks that year Alexander Burmistra, remember that free agent signing, how that panned out? Yeah, he played 24 games for Sick Reed, Boucher, Branson, Nick Dowd, Tyler Mott, 
guy who was a former Canuck. Michael Chaput played nine games. That was the end of him. And Jason Megna played his final game or one of his final games with the Vancouver Canucks, which gave the Canucks that horrible season, the seventh overall pick in that NHL draft, which that draft, of course, featured Rasmus Dalin picked number one, Andre Shvetsnikov number two, Jesperi Kokniemi number three, Brady Kachuk number four, Barrett Hayden, Philip Zadina, Adam Boquist, Evan Bouchard was taken number 10 by the Edmonton Oilers, Oliver Wallstrom was taken by the New York Islanders, Noah Dobson, Keandre Miller, the stud defensive for the New York Rangers, was taken in that draft as well. Then, you know, in the second round, Jet Wu was taken by the Canucks, who was a defenseman, but then a winger. But the Canucks really wanted to be a defenseman. That whole debacle, which has not panned out very well. Ryan McLeod, a fourth liner for the Edmonton Oilers. Alexander Romanoff for the Montreal Canadiens. But we are all here to listen and know that the Canucks, who did the Canucks pick in this draft? Their defensive anchor, their defenseman on the back end, their number one defenseman in the draft, in my personal opinion, that year, Quinn Hughes. And, of course, Quinn Hughes, in his 205 games played, has had 165 points. And Quinn Hughes has um, been an absolute stud in Vancouver. But the biggest thing, the revision, we know Quinn Hughes is great. We know he was the right pick at number seven. I mean, you, looking back at this, there's nobody else really after Quinn Hughes that you would want to take um, that was in and around where he was picked. The Canucks got the best player. I think Shvechnikov um, is the best player in this draft. Um, and I think he's been very good in Carolina. But the Canucks, from considering where they were picking, picked the right player. But the reason why I want to go through these draft rules because it's not so much the Canucks have missed in the first or other than... Um, Oldie you love you, who I said was the biggest bust in Canucks history. But the most important thing I want to get across was the later rounds. Like the Canucks drafted Jet Wu in the second round, 32nd overall. Jet Wu has played no games in the NHL. Zero games. And you had guys like Cole Lind, didn't do much. Another former late second round pick for the Vancouver. Will Lockwood, haven't really seen much of him. That is where the Canucks scouting has failed, in my personal opinion, because you have to hit on certain, you know, second, third round picks. Um, you look at the NFL, and I know the NFL is a bit different, and their the scouting and the combine, all that is very much different than the NHL. But you find consistently diamonds in the roughs and later round picks in the NFL. You look at the Detroit Red Wings; they were able to build a dynasty on finding players in the later rounds. And that is where the Canucks scouting and player development has failed because they have never been able to develop those later round picks, those second, third round, fourth round picks to potentially just step into the minors or, you know, step up as a, to the big club in a lesser role. That hasn't happened yet. And sure, the Canucks have had been lucky to get, you know, some pretty solid first round picks. But if you look at where they've been picking, they should be getting good players. And it's been... It hasn't been the best for the Canucks in the later rounds. I think that is what's truly affected this franchise. Yes, the Oli Levy deal, uh, sorry, pick kind of hindered their defense. But for example, if a guy like Jet Wu is able to step in and play in a bottom uh, bottom third pairing or whatever, you might not have to waste money on a Tucker Pullman or um, whoever, right? 
you would have been able to save some cap dollars, have a guy on ECL that was able to step in on a cheaper deal that was a homegrown product. Um, so I think with this new player development um, department the Canucks have put together, yes, find the first round picks that will step in and make an impact, but also focus on you know those later round picks and making sure that you can get ve- value out of them, right? They're ju- there is... I've gone through the the last few drafts the last couple of days and we've seen we've seen players pop off from later hell Adam Fox and Northrop was in the third round right we see other players that were taken in later rounds that have grown to be you know successful players um that's due to player development and yes the player themselves you know getting the right situation right opportunity but also you know scouts doing the right doing the right job Finding players that might not be as polished, but you see a high ceiling there. I believe that players with high ceilings, um, I'd rather take a guy with a higher ceiling um, than a guy who's, you know, just has a, a low ceiling, but you know what he's going to get. Like, I'd rather a high, sorry, high ceiling, low flow. I'd rather, you know, go for the guy with the higher ceiling because there's more upside. Go for the higher um, upside always, especially with later on picks, because what do you have to lose? It's not a first round. And now, with a first-round pick, you might want to go with more of a certainty. But after that, you might as well try to go for the player with the highest ceiling that fits into your you know, team structure. And I think the Canucks having Henrik and Daniel Sedin, Mike Komisarek, um, Chris Higgins, all those guys in the player development um, aspect of it, guys that have played in the NHL who weren't always you know, superstars right away. Now, Henrik and Daniel Sedin were top picks. But the other guys, you know, they know what it takes to go, go through that grind. Um, and having that, those assets in your player development will be such a huge factor to help um, take these later on picks and grow them and help um, eventually finding those diamonds in the rough guys that can, you know, step into the lineup that are not, um, that come on the cheap because that's what the Canucks need to get younger, cheaper, uh, faster, quicker. And I think once they do that, this team will take off. And um, that is what I wanted. That was the biggest lesson from looking back at these drafts this week was, um, yes, they've hit on first round picks, but the later round picks need to hit on. They haven't hit on any of that. So, that's that. After this break, we're going to go to the my favorite part of the show today is going to be which other NHL, no, sorry, what other North American sports franchises remind you of the Vancouver Canucks. So stick around. And we are back. Of course, this is our final segment. Uh, that is going to be other North. North American franchise, sports franchise of the Vancouver Canucks. So, of course, we know Canucks have been around for I've never won a Stanley Cup. I've had near, near, near um, uh, Stanley Cup chance. We went over that the other day. Of course, 2011, 94, 92. They have some good young pieces. Elite Quinn Hughes, Brock Besser. Um, the Canadians, the Patriots, the Lakers. Um, but they're not like the Browns, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're not the Sacramento. Um, so they're kind of in that no man's land. So a good NHL, uh, NFL would have been actually kind of Atlanta Falcons and the Arizona Cardinals. First, we'll start with the They both kind of came in on time. They both kind of, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, during the 70s and the, in the 90s, you saw reach elite levels you had high electric electricity players like pavel Bure, and Deion sanders which were catalysts 
lots of team runs in the 90s. Um, then the early 2000s saw great teams, of course, or not so much in Atlanta, but very teams in very, very good teams in Vancouver with the West Coast Express and the Michael Vick experience. And in the later, you know, in the early 2010s, um, you know, the Falcons had Matt Ryan under the Kyle Shanahan. Matt Ryan won MVP, went to the Super Bowl, uh, blew the 28 to 3 lead. And of course, the 2011, where they were the President's Trophy winners, you know, Sedin's were MVP seasons, uh, and then a 2 0 3 lead to the Boston in the Stanley Cup Finals. I know it's not 28 to 3, it's not that bad, but they still blew a lead in the final. Another and they've they've all had kind of the both the Falcons and the Canucks uh, the lack of luck. The other reason the Arizona is because they have skill. You know, Kyler Murray's in the league. Uh, in the Canucks, of course, of Patterson, and they put it together. You know, they had to go through a coaching. You know, Cliff Kingsbury is he the guy? Had you know former coaches. Spent a lot of money and been aggressive, uh, the Canucks did. Although, for the Cardinals, kind of panel, being you know, signing guys like JJ Watt, Green, um, they did make the playoffs shellacked by the Arizona Coyotes. Also, I've noticed that Canucks didn't start hot this year. Pre- previously, they've got off to a decent start and then kind of tailed off at the end of the season, which is kind of quintessential of what the Cardinals have done. Um, and then let's, let's go over to the um. One and it's going to be kind of interesting. I think the Indiana Pacers, who have had a you know a very che- colorful past, you know they've had chances in the finals. They lost to the Lakers with Shaq and Kobe in the early two thousands with Paul George guys. We almost went head to toe Miami. Um, they've had you know good years most of their time. You know as the Canucks have. You look at the least in the last 15, 20 years, it's been fairly decent for the Indiana Pacers, although right now they're in a rebuild. But before the last couple of years, they were a very stout franchise. Same with the Canucks. Um, of course, both were mired with very dark, uh, dark, dark instances. Of course, the Bertuzzi incident, Steve Moore, and of course, the malice in the palace between the Pacers and Pistons, which was there, the, you know, Todd Bertuzzi, Ron Artest, both were very polarizing figures. Of course, Ron Artest was a much bigger character than Todd Bertuzzi, Stephen Jackson. Um, so that was the pace. Now, I was doing research on this, and I saw a couple of people saying that the Dallas Mavericks, because of Luka and Elias Pettersson, both being young European superstars, I think Luka Doncic is on a level where Elias Pettersson's not at. We know Luka Doncic is going to be the next great player or the next best player in the NBA. We don't know that Elias Pettersson, at least at this current time, will not be uh, the next best um, player in the um, NHL, right? Uh, and then in baseball, uh, the Cleveland Guardians, um, of course, they've come close to winning uh, a title back to two Game 7 losses in the World Series in their franchise history uh, to the 1997 Florida Marlins and then the Chicago Cubs, back in 2016. So the Guardians and the Canucks both have had um, similar instances where losing, getting to that precipice of success and losing and falling short uh, when the games matter the most. So those were some of the franchises that kind of popped out to me in North American sports that the Canucks can relate to. So um, in the NFL, you know, 
the history of the whole franchise. I'd say the Atlanta Falcons are most relatable to it. Current makeup, it might be the Arizona Cardinals. Um, again, the NBA currently and historically would probably be the Indiana Pacers. I saw some talk about the Dallas Mavericks, but Luka, we know, is the best player or going to be the best player uh, in the NBA, where Elias Pettersson is not going to be for those European stars. And then in baseball, uh, the Cleveland Guardians, who, again, you know, have had a losing pass, have not won a title in however many years. I think it's over almost over 100 years. Um, and they've lost two Game 7s in the last you know, 25 years. So um, they know what it feels like. But that is that for today's episode of Locked On Canucks. A quick one, a concise one, but I hope you enjoy it. Um, I hope you guys enjoy the weekend. Uh, game 2 of the Stanley Cup Finals is on Saturday. Uh, congrats to the Golden State Warriors. There is no basketball anymore. So as the NHL season winds down and we get ready for the draft and free agency, it's surely going to pick up Canucks news-wise. So can't wait for that. Thank you guys again for making Locked On Canucks your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, Locked On NHL. Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast services. Take care, guys. Stay safe. And we will talk to you tomorrow.